You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right. Good morning again. I'm excited to be here. Pastor texted me last night and said, praying for you, brother. And I was like, oh yeah, thanks for reminding me again what's going on tomorrow. Um, and I, I always get nervous. I do. So I'm just going to be a little transparent. I get nervous. I get up here. But then it's like as soon as you start, it, the nervousness kind of flutters away, just kind of goes away because I'm really excited to be able to get up here and, and preach and, and just tell you what God has shown me this week and uh, what I believe that he has for me for you today. So hopefully what I have and what comes not from my mouth, but from what God's word says uh, will bless you and, and benefit you. Um, if you would take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 2. Uh, we're supposed to get some rain later today, and I don't know what's happened to me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 38 years old, so, you know, I'm, I'm getting to like, I'm almost to 40. Like, that's on the horizon. And I started in the last year or so caring about the rain that's coming more than I ever did before. Like, I, I have a, a rain co- collector outside, tells me what the temperature is, tells me how much rain we get. What I really want is one of those weather stations that I can send, send you know, the, the barometric pressure, the wind speed. Like, I'm really getting nerdy into this, like, lawn stuff. And I don't know where that happened. Like, it used to be, you know, and it still is, it used to be, like, games and stuff, and I like to play video games, and I would read the funny papers in the you know, newspaper and the comics and stuff, and something clicked in the last year that I, I was at work the other day, and it rained, and I text my wife, not to say I love you, how's your day going? I was like, how much rain did we get? She, she's like, what? I was like, like the, the, it, I have a screen inside that tells me, you know, I was like, What's it say? How much rain did we get? I, you know, I watered it and I gave, you know, it was like three quarters of an inch. How much more did we get? I need to know if we need to water again. And so she's like, you got to be kidding me. And just text me a picture. It says there, just stop. I love you too. I was like, okay, good point. I love you. How much rain did we get? So something's happened in the last couple years that, or the last year that's like clicked on me. I, I want a nice right lawnmower. You know, I'm out pulling weeds out of the lawn. I don't know if I'm just getting older or whatnot, but we're supposed to get rain today and I'm excited about the rain. So that's just a side has zero to do with what we're going to talk about this morning. I just wanted you to know I'm excited about the rain. Okay? All right, you're welcome. First John chapter 2. Uh, we're going to start in verse number 18, and we're going to read down to verse number 28, if you'll follow along with me. First John chapter 2, verse number 18, the Bible says, Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you, because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. 
But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for this church. Thank you for the people here, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll bless the service this morning. Lord, help me to say the things that you would have me say. Help me to be profitable to those that hear. Lord, I pray that you'll be with my mind, be with my words. Again, be with our pastor and his wife. Is there a way, Lord? I pray that you'll put a hedge of protection about them. Bless them. Bring them back to us safely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of the message I have for this morning is Loyalty to the Truth. Loyalty to the Truth. Um, there's a lot there that we just read. There's probably numerous messages that can be preached uh, from the verses, the ten verses that we read this morning. And we're going to key in on a couple points. I have three points and a few things in between. But we as Christians, and for the moment I'm going to preach to you, if you know that you're saved, you're on your way to heaven. This is for you specifically right now. You know the truth. You somewhere, somewhere in your life, whether you were eight, nine years old as a child, or you were 55, or anywhere above, below, somewhere in your life, someone shared the truth with you. And the truth is that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus was the Messiah that the Bible predicted in the Old Testament. That he died for your sins, and without him, we're bound for hell. But somewhere in your life, someone told you that truth, and you accepted that truth. You understood that truth. You knew that truth. And you accepted him as your Savior. And because of that, you have, as is mentioned, the promise of eternal life in heaven with God forever, for all eternity. Somewhere in your life, if you're saved, that truth was revealed to you and you accepted that truth. And then you've lived your life since then, hopefully in a way that reflects what the Bible teaches. Hopefully you've grown since that day. And there's no doubt there's been days where maybe you took a step backwards or two because we sin. We're human. Until Jesus comes back, we don't have that glorified body and we're stuck with ourselves. But you know the truth. Now, along your life, I was saved when I was nine years old. Um, I, Sunday school uh, really got to me one week, and as the next week came along and couldn't sleep, I went to my dad in the living room. I can still remember the house. I can remember the ugly brown plaid paisley couch. Anybody else have those awesome furniture that you sat on? And I remember coming out of my bunk bed and going out to the living room. My father was sitting on that nasty brown couch. Um, and it, it was perfectly fine. It was just ugly. Um, he was sitting there, and I told him that something bothered me about Sunday school. And I didn't know 
how to go to heaven. I didn't know that that was something I could know for sure, and it bothered me. I didn't want to go to hell. I, I wanted to be with Jesus. I, want, I knew I had sin. And he sat there and he got the Bible out and he took me through it and explained to me what Jesus had done. And I accepted Christ as my Savior there when I was nine years old. So I told you earlier, I'm 38. So that was almost 30 years ago that that happened. And in the last 30 years, I've known a lot of other people that did the same thing. They accepted Christ, maybe when they were young, maybe when they were teenagers. But people that I knew that were of my age group accepted Christ as their Savior. Some of them we went to Bible college together. I was in the dorm room with them. I was on the bus route with them. We went to classes where the Bible was the central theme to everything we studied. Even English class and math class, Bible was central. It was focused on. And we went through the same classes, had similar experiences, and then we graduated. We got married. We started lives. And you start putting into practice all the things that Bible college teaches you. And when you're 18, 19, 20, and Bible college gives you all of this information, right, just all on you all at once, you can't really comprehend and fully grasp it until you're a little bit removed from it. And now you're married, you have children, you start making the choices. And you start making the decisions on what's right and what's wrong. And then you remember the things that you were taught. And I don't know about you, but some of those friends that I went to school with that seemed to experience the same things I did, They've gone way out in left field. They've made some choices that have taken them on paths that those were never things we were taught in school. They were never things we were taught by our parents. They weren't things that the Bible teaches. And they've gone way off to the point where, as we talked about here, some people that, and the Antichrist here isn't the Antichrist. There are anyone that's just contrary to what God's Word and God says contrary, antichrists, numerous of them. And honestly, some people that I went to school with, that same things that I went through, would not sit here and listen to me preach in this church. They would not agree with the things that the Bible says. Some of them even have gone as far as to say that they don't even think Jesus was God's son, and that the Bible is an is a old, ancient book that we put way too much faith in. And it's heartbreaking because there are people I know and I remember and I've talked to and had conversations about spiritual things and something got into them. Something pulled them away from the truth. They know the truth. They've been taught it. If they got saved, they know the truth. But something has pulled them far, far away from the truth. And it didn't go from... Bible college to Jesus isn't God's son the next day, there were things in between that slowly pulled on their heart, that slowly casted doubt. And the devil tried to assuade them and, and make them wonder if what they've believed their whole life is really true. And they let the devil get in, and they let him pull them away. And maybe you know some people like that, some people that have changed. In this time, John is writing this, and he's the last apostle left. All the other apostles have been killed. The ones that saw Jesus, knew him, were called by him, started churches. John is old. There's not many, there's no other apostles left. And he sees and he's worried about the Antichrists coming in and trying to pull truth out of them and try to pull them away. And that's why he says, little children, it's the last time. 
knowing that the apostolic age is about over. He's the last one left. And even at this time, there were people that were pulling away, questioning if Jesus truly was God's son. There were many groups, and we could go into the history, which I love history. And I like to a, to a boring state, I love history. Like, remember in high school, the dates you had to memorize? You don't remember those dates right now. They were like, oh, we have to memorize dates again. This is fantastic. I like that stuff. And I, I get up and I'll teach lessons in the young couples class. And my wife would be like, it's great. Real good lesson. Loved everything you did. You probably spent a little too much time in the history because I started to fall asleep. I was like, okay, fair point, fair point. History can be boring. But in the history of this time, there were a lot of different groups that were trying to pull people from churches that were being started by the apostles that believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Jews becoming saved. Gentiles, Greeks getting saved. And there were people trying to splinter those churches, questioning if Jesus was God's son, pulling those people away. People that they knew. They went out. The Bible talks about here how they were part of them and they went out away from them. If they had truly been who they said they were, they would have stayed, but they went out and started other things. So some people you know may have changed. Point number one, some people you know, some people you grew up with had the same experiences that you have that know the truth, like you know the truth may have changed. But second point, you know the truth. Verse number 20 says, but we, but ye have an unction from the Holy One. So I don't know, you read that, what does the word unction mean to you? Like, what, what is unction? That's not a word we typically use in daily conversation. I'm not saying unction to anyone in my daily life. But the word unction just means, it actually means ungent, which, okay, that doesn't really help much, does it? Um, which means smearing. So think of like a soft, greasy, viscous substance used for like an ointment, Okay? Something that's it's thick, it's oily, it's, 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 it's smeary, if that's a word. It's smearing. That's what we have. Those of you that know the truth, and you're like, oh, I don't want that. That sounds gross. I'm not a greased pig after all. We don't, you know, the state fair was lately, right? They used to do those where they'd grease that pig all up, and you'd have to go f- catch them. They had unction all over them. It was all slime, just whoop, right on out, right? That sounds nasty. Um, but not in this case. In this case... Like Peter said, don't just wash my feet, wash my whole body in this. Because this is the unction from the Holy One. Who's the Holy One? Jesus Christ. We have an unction from the Holy One. You know the truth. Those of us that know the truth, know the gospel, know who Jesus is and believe it, we have an unction. We are smeared. We are covered. We are anointed by the Holy One. Wow. That should excite us. That should put into perspective our life. To know that we know the truth, and because we know the truth, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, gives all of it to us. It's here. It's, he will he'll smear you with everything that is holy, that is Him. And we want that unction. We want that ungent. We want to be covered in what He has to give us. And because of this, we know things. We know the truth. We talked about that. So this anointing, this unction is from the Holy Spirit, but it originates with Jesus. He is holy as God. He is holy as man. And because of him, we have access to the Father. And because of that, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. 
you realize you have a part of the Trinity that is with you all the time. He indwells you. He's there with you right now when you're sitting in church and being the best version of you there is. But he's also with you when you're at work and having the worst day you've had in a long time and your attitude is, shall we be polite and say, rotten? The Holy Spirit's with you right then too. And he wants to smear you and anoint you with his power, with his truth. Then, just like here. As Christians, we a lot of times lose sight of that. And we let our rotten attitudes and our worst day at work get a hold of us and maybe wash off some of that unction and don't really fully grasp what the Holy Spirit has done for us. So this unction, this anointing, it teaches us. Verse number 21, it teaches you things, that you know the truth concerning what these antichrists were trying to pull away from, what they were trying to teach. Verse 21, he says, I'm not written to you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. It's a reminder, you know the truth. And because, here's the thing, when we know truth, we're held responsible for that. We can't just say we know the truth and then continue on as if we don't. When you're exposed to the truth, when you're exposed to what Christ did for you, it doesn't just end there. It starts there. That's the beginning. That's where responsibility of you doing something with it comes in. And we'll get back to that here in a moment. But we know that Jesus Christ is the personification of truth. In the teen class on Wednesday nights, um, in between the missionaries over the last few weeks, we've been talking about truth, what truth is. Is truth subjective? Is it objective? Is there an absolute truth? Is there such thing as absolute truth? Or is it situational? And we've gone through that. We've talked about what truth is. We've found out that Jesus is truth. And when you take your life and you judge it by the standard of what truth is, meaning you judge what you do by what the Bible says, what Jesus says, it'll change your perspective on truth. Because Jesus is truth. So as we go here through the next couple of verses, it talks about denying that Jesus is the Christ, denying the Son. And I was, I've been doing a lot of reading, and I, was, I always reference some commentaries along with some of my scripture reading. And this one man put this commentary, and I, I almost have to read it word for word. And I know that can, get, that can sound boring. I'll try to use inflections to keep it interesting so it's not monotone. But he said, to deny or question if Jesus is the Messiah is the greatest of all lies. It opposes a glaring truth, an indisputable fact, that not merely the testimony of Jesus, who is truth himself, and who more than once declared and asserted himself to be the Christ. Remember that? How many times he said he was Christ. But also everything said of him in the prophets that came true, Miracles done by him are flagrant proofs and undeniable evidences of his being Christ of God. All the apostles believe that he was and is Christ, Son of the living God. Even a greater witness than all that, though, was God himself, with a voice from heaven, bear a testimony to him, saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I will please. And angels at his birth declared him to be the Savior. That has never happened before. Angels declared at a child's birth to be the Savior. Even the devil himself, who is a liar and the father of all lies, knew and knows that Jesus is the Christ. So those of us humans 
that deny him are the worst of liars, worse than the devil himself. And when that commentator put that into perspective, it hit me like a ton of bricks. People that, and they don't have to go around saying Jesus is not the Son of God, but to just deny the truth. And by not accepting truth, thereby saying they don't believe that to be true. The greatest lie ever told that Jesus is not the Son of God. And those that deny him and won't accept him as their Savior, they're worse than the devil himself when it comes to lying. Even the devil, even the devils know that Jesus is Christ, and they tremble because of it, because they truly know. We have the truth. We know the truth. But those that refuse to accept God's gift of salvation, there are consequences to those things. It's not a God being mean, right? It's not him saying, well, you're not allowed to. It's just God being truth. It's just truth being presented, and people not agreeing with truth, denying that Jesus is God's Son, they don't get the enjoyment and the promise of salvation and eternal life. It's like a kid that's supposed to clean their room. Sorry, Carter. Carter's in here all by himself. Everybody look at him. He's going to turn red. Now look away. Um, it's like a child not cleaning his room, right? Once they get to a certain age, you've got to clean your room. You've got to make your own bed. You've got to pick up your own things. Um, and it's a truth. In our house, you have to clean your room, right? So a child not cleaning his room can't enjoy the wonderful truth that is just a large bowl of delicious ice cream, right? If you got for supper after you eat, there's a large bowl. Let's just say, I don't know, let's just say it's Zesto's ice cream. I'm just, you know, just maybe. Maybe that's what happened. Um, there's a large, delicious bowl of Zesto ice cream on the counter for you after you're done eating your supper, but you haven't cleaned your room, so you can't have that awesome truth that is ice cream. So is that, when you can't have that, is that because mom and dad just, they hate you? No, we hate you. We don't want you to enjoy things. We don't want you to have nice things. We don't want you to have this awesome ice cream because we don't love you, because we're mean. Well, of course not. No one would ever say that. They say, no, it's the unwillingness of the child to acknowledge the truth and needing a clean room because they're supposed to obey. We would all logically say, well, yeah, mom and dad aren't being mean by keeping something from them. They have to obey, and then they get rewarded. But yet, the world will say, Jesus is not the Son of God, but we should be able to enjoy the good things that come with living for God and not have to deal with the consequences of hell, the consequences that sin bring. But the world, it doesn't work that way, does it? God doesn't work that way. Not cleaning your room or not accepting truth for eternal salvation, there are consequences for that. And the consequences of not accepting truth are way, way greater than not getting ice cream. Far, far greater. So, point number one, we, we know the truth and we know some that have changed, that have pulled away from the truth. We know the truth and we have the unction, the Holy Spirit willing and giving to everything to us. And thirdly, we're supposed to abide in him. As we finish up here, verse number 24, it says, Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. So what is that that we're supposed to let abide in us? Go back to verse number 14 of 1 John chapter 2. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him 
That is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. We've known from the beginning, from your salvation, you've known the truth. You've known the word of God. And now we're supposed to abide in that, to stay in it, to stay firm, to stay strong, to stay true to it. God's word is the truth. Jesus is the truth. As Christians, our day-to-day life gets us bogged down. You have to pay your mortgage, you have to pay your car insurance, you have to pay your health insurance, you have to buy the groceries, you have to pay your electricity bill, pay your water bill, Uh, you have to buy the clothes for the kids, you have to buy the clothes for you, you have to go out to eat, enjoy yourself a little bit. There are things that overwhelm our lives. We're busy, busier now today than we ever have been. And then we've got these things, right, that even when we're not busy, they keep us busy with things we don't need to be busy with. We're constantly bombarded with stuff. And it's very easy as Christians to fall into the, the, the river of just stuff and not abide in truth. It's not, it's not a suggestion. It's, it's a command. We're supposed to abide in Him. We're supposed to live there. We're supposed to stay there. We have responsibilities to knowing the truth, and that's to be in the truth. So continuing on, verse number 25, he's given us a promise, and that's eternal life. We talked about that already. The eternal life we're given is because you know the relationship of the Father, of the Son, and what that is to you. You know the truth, so you have that promise. But verse number 26, these things I have written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Don't let those you know that have strayed, or maybe those that have never come to know the truth, make you feel differently. There's one individual I'm, I know specifically. Um, he's younger than me, but we went to school together. We worked together. And if you want to talk about someone that's done an about face and what they grew up learning when it comes to God, this man has done it. He has completely turned around and he has read lots of books. He has done lots of research. And when he speaks, he sounds intelligent. He sounds learned. He knows how to make you feel, especially if you're a Christian that's not abiding in truth, he has ways to make you feel like you've missed something. Maybe he does know what he's talking about. And he'll try to, as the Bible says here, seduce you, make you you feel like, oh, maybe I got something wrong. Maybe there is something to this stuff that he's trying to tell us. The anointing, that anointing we talked about, the unction, that comes, the Holy Spirit unction, it, uh, it abides in you. It is with you all the time. It's not maybe it can, if it does, but it actually does. And you have it. You don't need a guy like that to come and teach you and learn you in things of the truth. You know the truth, but you have a responsibility to search it. As a Christian, you have a responsibility to search the truth. You should not take what I say up here this morning. You should not take what, and pastor would say this, what he says at just face value. You have a responsibility to take the same word of God that I'm preaching from right now and go home and study it out yourself and make sure what is said up here is accurate. And as Christians, we should want to know that. We shouldn't just come to church and be like, man, that was good. That was a blessing that really helped me and never revisit it again. 
because the pastor did all the studying for you. We're responsible to study ourselves. We're responsible to search the truth. The more you search the truth, the more confidence you gain. The stronger you become, the, the better relationship you have with the Father, with the Son. We are supposed to search, abiding in Him, searching through the truths ourselves, having an actual relationship with the Father and the Son brings confidence. It brings confidence to know those things. Verse number 28, And now, little children, abide in Him. Again, He's telling you, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, and guys, He shall appear, Christ is coming back. It feels, it feels like a fairy tale. It feels like a myth. It feels like not real because you live your life Monday through Saturday and it's just, it's, every day is a new day. Things happen, bad things happen, good things happen, life continues. But someday, and we may be alive for it, we may not be alive for it, but someday Jesus is coming back. And that changes everything. But if you abide in him, if you're abiding in the truth, if you're in God's word as a Christian, as a responsibility, when he shall appear, verse number 28, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. When I was a little kid, I always thought, you know, verses like this where it talked about not being ashamed meant that, like, literally, my hand was in the cookie jar, stealing a cookie when mom said no, and the trumpet sounds, Oh, no, Jesus caught me on the hand of the cookie jar literally like I was doing something wrong. Oh, no, I'm ashamed. As a child, that's what I thought. I'd get caught sinning. That Jesus would come back the moment I decided to sin. And that's what being ashamed of that was. But that's not the ashamed, that's not, that's not what that means. As a Christian, we should be far removed from worried about being caught sinning. The ashamed here is to not, not be abiding in him. Spending all this time not having a relationship with Jesus and he comes back and you're like, wow, it, it is true. And I feel like I don't know him that well. You have relatives that have moved away. You have children that have moved away. Grandparents, parents that don't live near you that you don't get to see on an everyday basis. What happens if you don't call them or text them or talk to them for months at a time and then they come home from Christmas and you haven't, you've been busy. You haven't talked to them for months you're like oh so what's up with your life you got another job you had a kid i mean hopefully you know that right as your kid's moving away but you'll go a long time and you won't get to know them you don't have a relationship with them anymore and then when they come to visit there's that moment of awkwardness that moment of man i feel bad that we haven't talked you have a friend like that maybe a good friend that you're really close with and time has pulled you apart and when you come together it's like man i don't even know you anymore our human relationships are based on our relationship with jesus so if you can take and understand that you can understand what it's like if you're not abiding in jesus if you're not having a relationship with him when he comes back it's not ashamed oh i got caught it's ashamed of man what should i what could have i done how much more could I know you? I feel like I didn't do everything I could to build that relationship. And that's that, ashamed, that shame that will come when you realize, I knew the truth, and I didn't abide. I didn't get into it. I didn't do my end. I didn't hold up my end of the responsibility. Being loyal to this truth, 
helps us to abide in him. If it's on the front of your mind that you know the truth and you're grateful that you know the truth every day, you'll want to be here. You'll want to know. You'll want to search the scriptures. And we can always do better. There's not one of us in here who's like, yeah, that's, man, it's good. I've done all that. I do all that every day. We all fail, and we can all do more. It doesn't matter where we are in our Christian life. We can always abide in him more. We know the truth. We're responsible for it. Don't let others pull you away. Don't let others distract you with things that don't matter. You know the truth. Abide in that truth. Now, if you don't know the truth, if you're here today and you're not what I've been talking about, you're not saved, you don't know the truth, you were like me when I was eight, before I got saved at nine, I didn't know the truth. I maybe even heard the truth because I was in church. I went to Sunday school. I heard the truth, but I didn't know it. I didn't believe it. I didn't accept it, but I had heard it. But if you're like that, you can't abide in him. You don't have that personal relationship. You don't have that unction smeared all over you. It doesn't belong to you yet. You don't know him as your personal savior, but he freely, willingly, overzealously pursues you to know the truth. You are included. No one is excluded from knowing the truth. God wants everybody to have that relationship with him. There's, you don't have to hit a certain level of spirituality. You don't have to come to church so many times before you're allowed. The very first time you've heard the truth, it's yours. You can have it, but you have to take it. You have to understand what Christ did for you, that, he, that you have sin in your life, and that without Jesus to cover that sin with his blood, you don't have the truth. And unfortunately, the eternal life you'll have will be in a devil's hell. It's just that is the truth. But all you have to do is accept what he did. Accept his payment, not your work, for covering of your sin. And when you do that, that unction comes. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to preach sermons. You just have to accept and believe the truth. And you could do that today. Christian, are you abiding in truth? Are you abiding in him? Are you loyal to the truth? Or is it something that just happens on church days? Is it just something that happens when we've got to look nice and get out in front of everyone? Do you abide in truth? Is that unction, do you want that in your spare time, at your home? Is it something you live every day. Let's pray. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.